What's up, everyone? This is Under 1000. We are your hosts, Sam. Uh, and swallowing some beer, Jacob. <laughs> and today we're reviewing I'm on Observation Duty 4, a spot the difference horror game based around monitoring surveillance cameras and reporting anomalies in order to survive through the night. Uh, we played it both solo and collaboratively, streaming on Discord. Yeah, so I'm on Observation Duty 4 was released on December 22nd, 2021, making it, I think, the newest game that we've reviewed. Released by Notovia for PC, Linux, and Mac OS. Uh, Notovia appears to be one person, a self-described indie horror developer, whose other works include uh, the other three I'm on Observation Duty games, <laughs> which are functionally <laughs> identical with the exception of the third, uh, which kind of got experimental, it seems, with a first-person view and a VR option, and it was widely panned. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he took a risk, though. It's good to take risks. That's what indie gaming is about. Um, yep. Natovia also developed a game called Lonely, Lustful, Arrogant, and Hateful, a game I know nothing about, Sam. I also know nothing about it. I included it for posterity. Moving on. Like I said, we played I'm on Observation Duty 4. We also played I'm on Observation Duty 1 in its entirety. Uh, just to get some context for the franchise and to see where it started off. Yeah, and so we're really using uh, number four as kind of a window into the franchise. You know, the franchise follows pretty much the same concept, and we found it cool. So we're just going to look at things through the window of number four, which is the most updated one, the most recent one, and the largest one content-wise. In general, Natovia seems like a genuinely very friendly and cool person. Uh, they had a lot of wholesome direct fan interactions on their Twitter, which bodes well for us. <laughs> and, uh, um, and they also had interaction on the steam forum that i found uh when people were reporting glitches or asking questions about the specific mechanics of the game things that like aren't totally explained they were in the forum responding being encouraging you know it was just all in all wholesome and, and really fun to see yeah definitely that's one of the reasons that i was excited to review this game too is because like whenever uh, uh someone tweeted at him and was like hey i didn't understand how this worked he was like hey yeah totally i understand why you misunderstood that here's what it actually is and why i made that decision you know and it's like not you know he's not just responding to big accounts like it's like regular players who are tweeting at him and he's like happy to have a conversation um he she they i do this all the time i just default to he but yeah um that's yeah i mean i thought it was really cool yeah no it, it's awesome to see and it makes me even more excited for the fifth i'm on observation duty title that is in the works yeah so similar to avoid uh, ago how we're excited we were excited to get back from recording and play this game i'm excited to buy the sequel to this game so that's always i a good will buy sign. the sequel yeah <laughs> i will buy iood5 we're gonna st we're gonna call it observation five i'm gonna say iood i i well <sighs> do you hate that uh, I, I, it just, it just, it sounds like an improvised, uh, explosive device all of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's cool because like, uh, I saw some notes that like four was like as big as the previous three combined, you know, and according to Natovia five follows that trend. So it seems like Natovia has found their formula, you know, and they really want to, like, stick with it and iterate on it. It's cool, because I think they've hit on something pretty unique. Um, it's got a very positive review rating, the fourth one does, um, with only 197 reviews, uh, and it's priced at um, $4.99, which I feel like is kind of a steal for this game, to be honest. 
Yeah, and I saw that you put a note in here that it's family unfriendly, but very friend friendly, yeah, which so, I agree I mean, with. We've been adding the segment of, you know, family friendly versus not. And I feel like this is not family friendly. You would go to prison for showing this game to a child. Um, but it's very friend friendly in that if you have other adult friends that consent to play with you, uh, it's a really good time. Game mechanics. So, um... I'm on Observation Duty as a series is not the first series to explore security cam duty combined with horror, obviously. The biggest example being uh, Five Nights at Freddy's back in 2014. Um, did you ever play Five Nights at Freddy's? Uh, believe it or not, I don't know if you remember this, but you introduced me to Five Nights at Freddy's. Did I really? I did, in fact. Yes, I did. In fa Before it was... Um, you know, uh, Walmart franchise and also a uh, Trapper Keeper sponsor <laughs> and, you know, whatever. It just went the way of Rick and Morty. And Freddy. Yeah, whatever they make like a full theme park themed around <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, we'll have been like, we liked that 20 years ago. Yeah, before there was Rule 34, before, you know, like all that. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not before then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tends to happen pretty much right away. I played it. I played one and two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were good games, I thought. Uh, if a little bit streamer baity, um, don't add us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, acknowledging that, though, um, I'm on Observation Duty 4's uniqueness comes from the serial box style spot the difference mechanics that make up the bulk of the gameplay. All right. So if you've been listening along so far and you've heard spot the difference two times, uh, you might be thinking that we're about to pitch you on what is essentially an interactive Count Chocula box. <laughs> uh, and you would be pretty right. <laughs> uh, the gameplay is really simple. Uh, as the title explains, you're on observation duty, monitoring security feeds to spot anomalies. Uh, each level or area has feeds from about six rooms that you can flip through, and you can only view the feeds one at a time. They're grainy, black and white camera footage. Mm -hmm. uh, when you spot something that's changed, you can report it using a simple pop-up UI to note the type of anomaly and the room in which it was spotted. Uh, and it causes a small interruption when you get it right, followed by the room returning to its previous state. Yep. So basically in, in, you know, quick terms, uh, things change, you report the things that have changed, they return to normal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the reporting system also operates on a cooldown. So when you're warned about anomalies building up, you can't just like spam every single option, every single room to try and like cycle through, you know, like they build up kind of quickly. And unless you're knowing exactly what you're looking for and reporting it correctly, uh, you will fail. Yep. And you'll know that you're about to fail by a warning that I believe you only get one time mm -hmm. uh, as they're building up. The first time they build up, you will get a warning that too many anomalies are being built up. It sounds just like our, uh, our, Transitions. <laughs> Not really, um, but it looks like anomalies. So the game's function really hinges on the quality of the anomalies, <laughs> as you might guess. Uh, in general, we've kind of come up with a, a three-way Venn diagram that they all fall into, uh, where the circles are surreal, subtle, and spooky. Mostly. There are some outliers. <laughs> <laughs> Huge man. Huge man. <laughs> um, yeah, play the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first one would be subtle. Uh, and this is just your classic uh, sort of paranormal activity uh, style interactions where objects will move or disappear. Uh, things that are simple but tricky. And I think we both think are really the most difficult to yeah. keep track of. These are the ones that you'll lose the game over for sure. Um, this, the, the other two, Surreal and Spooky, kind of act as distractions, you know, or like breaking up the pace of the game. But Subtle are the ones that will really kill you if you don't notice them. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so surreal. Uh, surreal is objects that are twitching or distorted. Um, pools of shadow that slowly crawl across and eat away at the room. Um, perception bending camera malfunctions. And I think personally for me, these are the secret sauce because if it were just the subtle and the spooky, the formula would get kind of old, but these add that little bit of like melted horror, um, that I particularly really like. We've talked about early internet jank before, and I think that horror benefits from like 30 seconds in the microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is when you like click through the camera and you click and you click and then you're like, Oh no, not, not. A conversation with Jacob about music that I'm trapped in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll never escape. (laughs) Yeah, literally like one week ago, I got in an argument uh, with one of Robin's friends while we were traveling um, because I told him that I thought that Bruce Springsteen was uh, music to listen to while you Google if it's still legal to hit your teenage daughter. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It went on for a long time. Well, surreal. (laughs) (laughs) surreal um and so the last uh circle of this beautiful venn diagram is spooky uh these are pretty self-explanatory uh and they're usually really obvious you're not going to lose the game over these but the real function is the sort of sudden appearance to disrupt your focus uh as you're clicking through the reason that the in my mind the reason that the spot the difference works so well is that you're focusing so hard on all these details Mm -hmm. when you click through and you click through and you click through and you're so focused and then suddenly um, a guy just pops up in your kitchen holding his dick. Um, (laughs) It is scary. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I, I love horror movies. I think we're both huge horror fans. But I am the kind of person who puts his hands up and just, like, looks through my hands, you know, when I know shit's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you just can't do that here because your focus is demanded by the subtle ones, which will get you if you don't, you know, if you're not constantly on the lookout. So, yeah, like, forcing someone into that position and then throwing, like you said, a giant naked man at them. <laughs> is terrifying. <laughs> it, is, it is terrifying. Not as terrifying as a giant naked man being thrown at you in real life, but pretty scary still. Pretty scary. Yeah. yeah, so all three of these really do kind of come together to create those familiar horror movie tension arcs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so first, things start moving or disappearing. This is the first third of paranormal activity when the family's dog is still alive. Oh, God. Uh, Why do you think about it that way? Is that how you think about movies? (laughs) We got dog still alive, (laughs) and then we've got um, dog is still happy, but glasses keep moving around that he's barking at section. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then things start changing in size and shape. Uh, Shadows morph, the tensions build, things warp. Someone asked me who my favorite musician is. (laughs) Who is it? And then finally, you get the gut punch. Um, And we won't exactly spoil what the spookier anomalies are. We've heard about the huge man and about the nude man, but there are various other man men (laughs) who are are there to frighten you, and and they're pretty effective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, but it's worth noting, though, that that's not always the order in which these things happen. I had a couple runs where I just got, like, scare after scare after scare, uh, and I got a couple runs where things were really quiet, and those usually ended with me just, like, failing in the first five minutes or so. Um, That's not to say it was a bad experience. It's because it kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time waiting for the spookier stuff. It's just that there is a lot of replay value here because you're not always playing the same 
game every time. Um, you get better at sort of knowing what to look for in certain rooms and like just memorizing the rooms themselves. Um, but there's enough variance to keep you coming back. Yeah, and we should say the playthroughs are decently long. I mean, we're talking for a level, we're talking probably 30 minutes, right? Yeah, I think some of um, our longer ones for the bigger levels went on to like 45 minutes. Yeah, and so I would definitely say if you're going to play I'm on Observation Duty, uh, don't get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time that I played it, I was like, man, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> and I mean, I am, but once I played through the game, like, I don't know, once I played through a level seven or eight times, I was pretty good at picking up what things had changed, what things were missing, mm-hmm. and it becomes... It's a rare game that becomes more fun the more you play it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also beyond, like, the anomalies themselves, which we talked a lot about, the overall setting, like the like you mentioned earlier, sort of the grainy black-and-white film, um, the sound effects that come into play when certain anomalies appear, like, the whole thing creates this nice, like, mm, mwah, perfect, like, you know, soup background for uh horror stuff to occur (laughs) yeah there's a reason that i like keep coming back to paranormal activity with this Mm -hmm. um and i think that the choices of settings in them are really good in particular i want to like make note of the levels in the first time on observation duty Mm -hmm. which are just the old house and the new house Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're like houses with moving boxes in them and that kind of thing and i really like the subtle sort of suggestion that uh maybe there's like a family dealing with the anomalies that tried to move away to escape them but then you can still obviously they're still they followed them right oh nice yeah i feel like that's always part of a horror movie right it's like it happens in the house they try to escape and it like follows them but like yeah that's that's a cool uh yeah it's a cool like interpretation of it just like in paranormal activity it's not the house (laughs) that's haunted it's your daughter's Fun with friends. So when you buy Observation Duty 4, you're kind of getting two games. We've talked up to this point about the solo experience, which is best experience late at night, lights off alone, or with a snifter of whiskey, just like scaring yourself, right? Um, but there's another side of this that we explored, uh, thanks to Discord streaming, which is playing with your friends. Um, assuming you have at least one friend, which based on the Steam reviews we've had on this show, may be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> go find a friend yeah don't make- tell them that you're finding them to play this game do not show them this game right <laughs> this is not this is not dog park uh meeting someone conversation yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah. um but we did have a great time playing together uh we loaded up the game on discord although we did both buy a copy um so yeah we're definitely not suggesting that you try to stiff natovia out of the 4.99 it would cost for an extra <laughs> copy um yeah, and, and honestly, like I said, two games. Get get the play the solo edition too. You know, you'll need a copy for that. Right. We so we loaded up in Discord and we played me and you and your wife and we had an awesome time. Uh, yeah. The group experience is easier and it is a little less scary, but I still feel like we got some good jump scares. Mm-hmm. And you guys were together, but I was alone in my apartment in the dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. it was really fun. Still kind of depends on your situation, yeah. (laughs) Right, yes. Yeah, if you just have my level of latent fear all the time. Um, But it was really fun and a great way to hang out for a couple evenings, working through the various levels. And we, I'm going to say near the end of the game, we beat a level that I'm not sure I would have been able to beat on my own very easily. It would have taken a lot of run-throughs. Yeah, to be honest, the last level of uh, the fourth title, the one that we're, you know, mainly reviewing here, I, I... 
I was very skeptical about whether or not we'd be able to finish it at all before we reviewed the game. Um, because it just seems overwhelming, but I think the game also does a really good job of building you up through the, through the levels. You know, I would do the levels in the order in which they're presented, you know, um, because they tend to get harder as you go down to the later levels. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, the earlier ones kind of get you into the feel for it. And by the end with or without friends, you can do the, the, the more difficult ones. Conclusion. Yeah. So just to hit a couple of the things that we haven't touched on in the rest of the review, um, Two things I love about this game. One, the game has a sense of humor, especially about itself. Um, some of the anomalies um, are definitely like tongue in cheek. Like they'll scare you, but they're also like kind of goofy, right? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about that level of like internet jank. And there are some that you like see them and just kind of chuckle. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's like that with horror movies too. You know, who hasn't watched a horror movie? Who's a horror fan? Just to like kind of laugh at the kills or whatever. And some of them are just... Just a good time. Goofy will get you giggling. And some of them are genuinely scary. Yeah. Uh, And the game also has some secrets, some of which also are spooky secrets or are sort of funny uh, recurring jokes, I guess, like huge man. Yeah. So the game has developed like uh, or the series rather has developed like a couple of running jokes that persist throughout the titles, which I think is really neat, too. Um, But they're largely like kind of like low-key and like it's really hard to find information about this game because i'm not gonna lie like i'm obsessed with lore and secrets and so i've like tried to find out a little bit more of the detail behind this stuff and like there's like a half-built wikipedia page for the first game and that's it you know like there's there's really no information about the secrets and that's kind of cool honestly i mean the game has 197 reviews so of course there's not like a huge resource for any of this stuff um and I, I thought that added to, like, the creepiness and, like, the kind of, like, exclusivity of, like, oh, shit, what was that? Was I supposed to see that? Like, what does that mean, you know? Yeah, it's almost like the developer is, is less interested in the lore than you are. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> no. Reviews. All right, as is tradition, we've got our scene reviews. Sam, do you want to start us off? Yes, I will. Uh, all right, so... Um, our first review is from Fehexo Asteris, um, who was in-game on Elden Ring as I copied this review, and Elden Ring, I'm gonna cut this out. Um, yeah, no one needs to hear you almost <laughs> nut on a podcast. <laughs> it's good, play it. Um, we're 10 episodes in, and and it's the same number of followers we have on Twitter, Sam. We need to be <laughs> approachable right now. You're right. You're right. Um, okay. So Fexo Asteris says, Cons, you will find little to no information on this game. You're on your own, buddy. Pros, I love horror games, and I have never played anything that makes me so nauseous with dread. Great to play with literally as many people as you can fit on your couch. 10 out of 10, I throw up when I see an intruder. <laughs> <laughs> Great review, Fexo. Yeah. I thought this really captured sort of the essence of the game, and it was cool to see that they also played it um with like other people around you know because i feel like the implication like when i first thought about this game was like solo experience but we found it organically to be super fun with other people and so did this person yeah and i love the idea of streaming this game to my couch if only i hadn't um purchased a steam link for 99 cents (laughs) and it still wasn't worth it uh yeah imagine buying a steam link (laughs) 99 cents uh-huh. Thanks for all the material, Steam. <laughs> yeah, I'll strip the copper wire from it. Um, Valve, yeah. 
my next uh, my next review it comes from Time Loop, um, who says a naked man appeared in my kitchen and then something went missing from my bedroom, and a lad's head was left in the toilet. I'm glad I no longer live in Detroit. On a completely unrelated <laughs> note, though, this game is amazing. <laughs> I fucking knew you picked that one, dude. That shit is so funny, man. I'm always telling Robin we should move to Detroit. I'm like, dude, you could buy a house for twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> sick, man. There are concerns Jack- other than economic. You got cheap houses and Jack Black lives there, dude. Easy. Does Jack Black live in Detroit? Well, I know he did at one point. Maybe like worth a quick Google before you move. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he's like my neighbor if we like can if he if he'll let me wear the nacho libre costume i'll move yeah okay fair all right so i have one review this week um like we said this game only has 197 <laughs> reviews so um my review was from Ukapina, who said fun and creepy and a good distraction you can play it one-handed if there's a cat sat on your lap <laughs> and i kind of just like that one because it was a little bit of an eyebrow razor but then it ended up wholesome you know i feel like they typed all of that review except for the cat part and then added the cat part on their like second read through <laughs> before they hit submit who doesn't like a huge man you know who doesn't <laughs> All right, and I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Thanks for listening to another episode of Under 1000. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on the podcast app of your choice and tell your friends about us and forcibly subscribe them to the podcast. Take their phones. And definitely be sure to check us out on Twitter at underscore 1kpod. That's at underscore 1kpod. Especially if you are in Natovia and you're listening to this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And if you'd like to donate to our podcast, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash u1k. A contribution of $5 or more gets you a shout out in upcoming episodes, but a contribution of anything is super helpful. Uh, we do need to shout out our Patreon subscribers for this week. Once again, Sayaka Matsuoka and Shiori Matsuoka, thank you as always. Yeah, thanks guys. Um, our intro music is Drifting Corners by Joseph Dade, and our outro is Voxel Revolution by Kevin McLeod. We'll be back next month for another episode of Under 1000. Thanks again, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys.